reception, and they're off to uh, spend a week together in, in Charleston, South Carolina. So that's a pretty, pretty nice place, and uh, excited for them. But young people, you are dismissed to your classes, Brother Jay Parton's class. Uh, Sister Morgan will direct you. He is actually in Harlan County, Kentucky right now with uh, uh, Sister, Sister Parton's grandmother. As Brother Morgan made mention, she is having surgery this morning, and uh, we've been praying for her grandmother. Uh, she's been diagnosed with cancer, and we've been praying for a healing and a deliverance, a miracle blessing for her. Amen. For you all that were not here Wednesday night, uh, we got back in on Wednesday morning about 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, Wednesday was a little bit of a difficult day, but we had a great time in the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night here at the service here in church. Uh, we were in a prison in Hawaii that had... Uh, at wh while we were there, they had about 300 inmates. It was a smaller facility. We left from there and went to California. It had approximately 2,000 inmates, much larger facility. And between the two prisons, we had, uh, if the numbers that I, I received are, are absolute, they were 45 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Experienced their own Pentecost Sunday. The ladies in the California prison had been fasting once a month for a revival. They were ready for revival. I have saw a lot of church services where people respond well, but these ladies responded to both music, praise, worship, and preaching, as well as anybody, any service I guess I've been in, uh, at least for a long, long time. I don't remember a group of people that responded as well as they did to everything that was going on. They played a song, uh, This Means War. Y'all ever heard that song? This Means War. And apparently, uh, I've heard the song, but uh, apparently they, they march. As they sing the song, the people are marching. And, and I, was, I was in the uh, back monitoring the back section and I noticed as soon as the note played, it was like that. As soon as the note played, one of the inmates jumped to her feet and said, this means war. And it was out in the aisle. And everybody in that building basically was doing a praise and victory march. But I also saw them slain in the floor. Uh, one lady was getting prayed for and another was behind her just lifting her hands praying, not realizing what was going on. They both went out. One of them not by choice and not by the Holy Ghost. However they get it, I mean, I mean, whatever it takes. It's, the squirrel got loose and all kinds of things went on. So, uh, but there was, there was just an absolutely tremendous move of the Holy Ghost. These ladies were desperate. They wanted something. They wanted a move of God. They wanted deliverance. They wanted some form of hope, and they knew it was in Jesus Christ. We had people in there that killed people, taking the lives of other people. They needed peace. They needed somebody to offer them some comfort, somebody to offer them hope, somebody to offer them a way to be delivered. And when the power of the Holy Ghost moved in that congregation, it, it was just an absolutely tremendous, tremendous time. Several of them prayed back through to the, 
baptism of the Holy Ghost that was already been filled with the Holy Ghost, and uh, just uh, it was it was an awesome experience. But today we are starting a well, we're actually in the second lesson of a new series in our discipleship class, and the Great I Am is the series that we're in, and. I want, I want you to, we're going to pray for something this morning as we, as we get started and, and pray, but I want you to pray this morning that God help you have a revelation of this. You know, when Jesus showed up, he was breaking tradition. You realize that? 4,000 years, they had been in a tradition. They'd been in a tradition of offering sacrifice to God, God speaking through prophets and uh all the ways that he would minister to them, both audible and through prophets, they were in a tradition. There was 400 years of silence. Jesus Christ is going to break the silence. He's going to introduce them into a brand new way of worship. He is the tabernacle of the one true God of Israel that they worshiped. Tradition was yelling louder than truth was yelling. Truth showed up. I am the way, the truth and life. Truth showed up, but they could not receive truth because tradition was so strong in them. They wanted to take stones and take the life of truth because they couldn't face truth. This morning, I'm praying in Jesus' name, God, let us receive truth. Let tradition be silenced, but let truth shout loud into our life. I want to hear from God this morning, and I feel like I've already heard from God this morning. And if we can receive this, if we can understand this, get a revelation of this, it's going to help us in our walk with God. So this morning, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of John chapter 8, verse 58. John chapter 8, verse 58. And this is probably familiar to everyone that's in here this morning. Amen. Stand with me for the reading of the word. I greet you this day in Jesus' name, thankful to see each one of you. Hallelujah. Even the birds are singing today. Either that or Brother Morgan's a very good ventriloquist. My head's stopped up. I, I don't know what I'm hearing, what I'm not hearing, to be honest with you. I, I, it may be coming from this side. I don't, I don't know, maybe Brother Mays, but anyway... You all are in here, right? All right, let's get started. John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Will you pray right now for a revelation? Will you pray right now, God, help me have a mindset that is able to receive this, remove the distractions from our minds today, God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Give us revelation today. Open these scriptures from Genesis to Revelation to our day. God, let us see you in truth. God, let us see you manifest. God, let us see you open to us. Let us receive this this morning. I plead the blood of Jesus over every saint. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, every soul receive your word today. Every individual receive this this morning. Give us revelation today. Give us growth today. Help us, Lord God, receive this in the name of Jesus. Anoint your messenger today. Anoint the ones that are here to hear the message. In Jesus' name, we pray your help. Your blessings, we love you. 
We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Before Abraham was, I am. As we think of Jewish history, when Jesus made this statement, they all knew what he was saying. You know, whenever you change culture and you go from 2,000 years ago to a culture to our day, it's hard for us to get right in the middle of a conversation and grasp exactly what's being said. But whenever you look into Scripture, we realize they understood where the statement, I am, came from. Whenever he said, before Abraham was, I am, they understood who originally said, I am that I am. So we need to come in this morning with our mind open to receive a revelation, to receive an understanding. We need to understand how all the Bible ties together and how it is painting an absolutely beautiful picture from creation of earth to the new Jerusalem that we're going to. It's all tied together from the very beginning to the very end to your, your redemption, my redemption, to the salvation of our soul. All of it plays together. All of this. Adam being created in the image of God, the breath of life, Eve being formed from the DNA of Adam to the birth of Jesus Christ. It all ties together. It's all a part of one book. Here's, here's what we need to realize. God is not restricted by time or knowledge. Whatever he gives us this word of God, this Bible that we hold in our hand, he not only knows the end from the beginning, he is in the end and the beginning. That's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but that's the God we serve. So whenever you're going through the trial of your life, understand God's already in your victory. He already knows the beginning of the trial. He knows the ending of the trial. He's got everything working out for our good, right? He's working all things together for our good. What he's looking for from every individual in here is not to be a sight believer. For you and I to look at the sights around us and determine if we're victorious or we're losers. But to be able to put our faith and our trust in him and say as David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley, has the shadows of death, I will not fear. He's with me. To understand the facts of the word of God, that he's in the beginning of our day, he's in the end of our day. He's at the birth, he's at the redemption. He's in all betweens of our life that God is able to work these things out for our good. And as we get into this service, this, this message this morning, I'm excited about what God is wanting to deliver to you, to me today in this message. God is not restricted. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, I want to take you to just a handful of scriptures that may not be in your Sunday school curriculum, but I want to take you and, and, and lay a foundation because I want you to understand the, the, the knowledge of God because he said that he calculated a lamb before the foundation was laid. You know, if you go to an architect and you tell them what you want, they can, they can, they can lay the chandeliers out before the foundation's ever dug. They'll tell you where every wall socket goes. 
They'll tell you where all the plumbing goes. They'll tell you where every outlet, every light switch, every door, everything goes. It's all there in the blueprint of the house or the building. Before the foundation's dug, the plumber can look and see exactly where, the, where, the, where the, all the piping goes. Can we get this in our life today? This might not excite you, but I'm telling you, whenever you're needing God like you've never needed him before and you're in a desperation mode, you can step back and you can pull in this message this morning and realize that God knew everything from the very beginning. He knew our life. He knew our day. He was living in our day from the very beginning. Notice what Revelation says. As he calculated this lamb before he spoke life, Revelation 13, verse 8, this is God's word translation. He said, everyone living on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name is not written in the book of life. That book belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the creation of the world. In the mindset of God, he'd already calculated the cost of sin. You see, the Bible says if we're going to build, we need to consider the cost. So he didn't jump into this haphazard and say, hey, I want to create man in my own image and then get into the middle of this and say, oh, there's sin there. What are we going to do about the sin? He already calculated all the mishaps. Someone said whenever they were building the tunnel, they were drilling through Cumberland Mountain there, Cumberland Gap, they were setting the tunnel. They already calculated in deaths. They knew a project this size, there's going to be casualties. They, they said they'd already calculated in the number of deaths that was going to take place in building the tunnel. There's casualties. God looked at this situation before he said, let there be light. Before he began to create, he said, before he laid the foundation, he'd already calculated in a lamb. I'm going to redeem my people. Can somebody get excited this morning for the fact that Jesus Christ loves you enough to go ahead and create Adam and create man in his own image knowing that they're going to curse him, knowing they're going to crown him with thorns, knowing they're going to take a whip and beat him, knowing they're going to put him on a cross, but yet he calculated all this in and said it's worth it. The end result is worth the casualty. The end result is worth the lamb. The end result is worth me leaving my glory, coming and dwelling as a man. Notice what the Apostle Peter wrote in chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. He said, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. You ever wonder why people worship that? Nobody? Just just a miracle. I don't want to get reprimanded at home. From your vain conversation, conversation's not verbal, conversation's your life. From your vain lifestyle received by tradition from your fathers. As Adam sinned and handed this tradition, this, this nature down from generation to generation, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed by corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Get verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times 
for you. How mind-boggling is it when people don't need the blood? How mind-boggling is it when people can play games with the lamb that was slain from the foundation? How mind-boggling is it whenever somebody can walk into the presence of a God with a nonchalant attitude and say, I can take it or leave it, it don't really matter. How mind-boggling is it to God and to all the angels that will rejoice at one sinner repenting and people walk by the churches without even being affected in our day. God knew. He calculated the lamb in. But he was willing to create man in his own image. Here's what I want us to understand. I want you to notice how the life of man plays out. How all this is calculated. How all this is on a a series of events taking place to the redemption, to the rapture, to New Jerusalem. You all love a great play? You all like going to watch a, a good play? Do you all like anything? Let me ask that. All right, now. You know, when, when a question's asked, it's actually asking for a response. As, as Brother J.H. Osborne would say, could I just get a good nod? If we, if we like a play, if we like, like different scenes, I want you to notice how all this plays out. You can read your Bible from creation to redemption. God working with man from birth of life to the rapture of the church. It's all in there. God worked a miracle in Abraham, right? Sarah, to bring forth a nation. We understand this nation is a peculiar people. It's a holy nation. In fact, it's the wife of God. And we're going to look at all this. I'm going to try to give you as much information this morning as I can. I don't want to be boring to you, but I do want you to understand this nation was espoused to one God. Right? And she is to worship and love and honor and cherish. All the things that we we said in the vows yesterday for Jared and Hannah. This one nation's to be truthful. They're they're to be honoring. They're to to do all these things to cherish because this nation's been espoused to one husband, be the wife of God. We can't view the Bible as a thousand individuals doing their own thing. Anybody know how many books is in the Bible? Total books? 66? We can't look at it as 66 individual books. But we look at it as a collection of one book. All these, the span of time, from creation to our day, as we read through our Bible, we realize that it's a it's continuation of one scene ending and another scene picking up and in the play from the beginning to the end. All of this is working through a relationship with God and his creation. And we are part of the play. You and I are part of the play. We play a role in Arthur, in Claiborne County, Bell County, and Lee County. We're playing our role today. 
The Bible says that David served his generation. You and I are here for a purpose. God has called us out of darkness into a marvelous light of truth, giving us revelation of this great I am. He's giving us opportunity to work in his kingdom. The Bible says we are joint laborers. We're also joint heirs with Christ. We're here for a purpose, to add value to each one, to edify the body, to bring together in unity, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ above every other name, that people can be delivered and set free. I was, I was studying and I was praying, God, give me revelation. Give me understanding of this, how this plays out. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stay close to our layout of the lesson this morning, but I, wa- I want to give you some things that God, God showed me. When I began to think about Hebrews 11, I realized that Hebrews 11 is a layout of the events that's played out. It's the, it's the, it's the play condensed one chapter into great events that took place. Hebrews 11 verse 1 said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then it gets into the events, it gets into the people, it gets into all the things that played out. For by, by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do, not, which do appear. Now I want you to get into this. He said, by faith Abel. So we're picking up now after the fall in the garden, we're picking up Abel, we're picking up Cain. We're talking about evil. We're talking about light versus darkness, right? Did you know Satan wants to stop the worship of God? Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Cain said, I'll kill you. So this morning as you and I walk in the sanctuary, the enemy is trying to oppress the enemy is trying to distract. The enemy is trying to disrupt. The enemy is trying to come in and stop the worship of God. He'll get our minds on everything that he could possibly distract us with to keep the worship of God from going to the throne. So he brings, you got Abel offering a more acceptable sacrifice, then you've got a Cain. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by God. By faith, Abel, verse 4, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. All right, we see the sacrifice unto God. That's, That's a requirement. We sacrifice to God. In fact, the writer said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which, that's your reasonable service. That's not negotiable. I am to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. Now, now, now we're going to... We're going to step into a new scene. We got the establishment of sacrifice, Cain and Abel. We understand that Cain took the life of Abel. So now we see a brother step up. His name's Seth. And we understand the bloodline that's pointing toward Jesus Christ is running through Seth. 
and we're going to see Jesus Christ in all of this because there's going to be a sacrificial lamb at the end. Without the, re- without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. We understand that all of this is pointing. He said the volume of the book, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about the redemption. It's about you and I making heaven our home. We look into scripture. We step into a new scene. Notice this, verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was found because God translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So now God said, let me give him just a little bit of taste of what's going to happen at the very end because there's going to be a rapture of the church and we which are alive and remain, right, shall be caught up in the air and we will meet him in the clouds. So God's saying, let me give them a little taste. I'm going to take Enoch. I'm going to take Elijah in a He took Elijah in a chariot of fire. He didn't experience death because he's wanting to paint a picture from Genesis to Revelation of you and I being able to be redeemed. We don't have to die. We don't have to die here on earth. By faith, Enoch translated that he should not see death. Verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All right, now let's step in here and we'll see the cleansing, the washing. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared the ark for the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the, of, of the righteous, the righteousness which is by faith. So we now, he said, let me give them an understanding of redemption because the Bible in the New Testament says that eight were saved by water. What does water do? Washes away our sins. So as he paints this beautiful portrait, this beautiful picture, he's laying it out scene by scene, talking about the redemption of the church. Can we understand John chapter 3 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible? I preached on Wednesday night, what's the most, probably the, the most popular scripture in the Bible, God so loved the world. But if we can get a revelation of this, this is a conversation with a teacher that starts in John chapter 3, verse 1. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, a teacher. He said, we know you are from God. And Jesus looks at him and says, know you not that you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. You see, John chapter 3 is giving us a revelation that he was willing to sacrifice for our salvation. But we've got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And in the Old Testament, as Hebrews lays out the scene play by play, he said, Noah, you've got to build an ark. I'm going to cleanse the earth. 
I'm going to cleanse the earth of all the sin. I'm going to do it by water. And eight souls were saved by water. He gives us a picture of the, of the rapture of the church in Enoch and Elijah. So we look through these scriptures and we understand how that this is playing out, how these things are taking place. Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark of the, to the saving of his house. Now we step into the Spirit. Look at the next verse. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing whether he went. Can we get an understanding of the called out, of the chosen, right? that he said, come out from among them and be separated. You should not be around people very long till they know there's something different about you. You shouldn't be around anyone very long until you realize the fact that you are different. They should recognize Jesus Christ in you. So as we get a revelation of this, as we look into these scriptures and we get a revelation of this power, when we look at Abraham, think about this. What did Abraham try to do? He said, I'm going to give you a child, right? And through the process, this child is going to be born, but through this one child, there's a nation going to be born, which will be the wife of Christ, the wife of God. Get a revelation of this. What did Abraham try to do? That, that's, that's an open question that nobody could answer, I guess, because he tried to do many things. Let me refine it. Let me, let me bring it down a little bit better. Him and Sarah realized they can't have a child. So Sarah said, take Hagar. What was Hagar in the eyes of God? She was a bondwoman. It was a flesh. I can have a child with her, but that's flesh. What does John 3 tell us? Flesh begets flesh. There's nothing miraculous about that. We're still in the lineage of, of Adam. We're still pulling that nature from Adam. We're still pulling that same sinful nature from Adam. Whenever Abraham looked and said, wow, look at what we did, God said, I'm not impressed. Because John said we have to be born again of water and of the Spirit. So he's given us this beautiful portrait from Genesis to Revelation of how all these things play out. So whenever we get to Isaac, what takes place? A move of God's Spirit. Isaac is a miraculous child. Because the Scripture says that Abraham was basically dead. He was dead concerning his ability to bear children or Sarah to bear children. It was beyond their capability. It was beyond their own power. They could not do anything about their condition. They could do anything they wanted to do. They were not having a child. Does this sound familiar today? Because God said, our works of righteousness are what? They're like filthy rags. We can do nothing without Him, right? We can pray to our 
knees are calloused. We can fast till there's no fat on our bone. We can, we can read our Bible and do all these things, but without him, we're not going anywhere. There's still got to be a move of God. There's still got to be something miraculous. There's still got to be the supernatural. So whenever God said, Abraham, sacrifice your only son, he never even acknowledged the flesh work, but he was acknowledging the spirit work. So we can go to church until we, 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 everybody knows our name and we can be on every board and we can be on all the committees and we can be on all the activities of the church but until there is something supernatural that takes place in our life we are not ready for the rapture of the church because it has to be something from God and not from our flesh and this is the beauty God wants to do it God has laid this out perfectly so you and I would know it is God's good pleasure to give to us. It's God's good pleasure to pour his spirit out. He said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. And that right there is really where the rubber meets the road. Are we thirsty? Do I realize my life is incomplete without Jesus Christ? Do I realize I can do nothing spiritual without Jesus Christ? Do you know that people are learning how to have church? Let me rephrase that. Do you realize that people have learned how to have church without God? Without a move of the Holy Ghost? The Bible says for 400 years, basically, from, from Malachi to the birth of Jesus Christ, there was silence. But yet they were still as religious. They were still as, as going through all the motion. I'm going to preach emotion. I told my wife the other day, I said, God's laid a, a thought on my heart from motion to emotion. Of, of getting away from just the motion of it and reaching into where our emotions are affected to where we are laying before the presence of God in our heart. We have that contrite spirit. We have that brokenheartedness of saying, God, I've got to have you more than I have anything else. I need you more than I need breath in my life. Of getting that place of desperation of saying, I cannot do this on my own, but I've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. I've got to have God ministering in my life and delivering me and helping me through the day. So we look and we realize all this is playing out. And the writer of Hebrews picks it up and he gives us play by play, scene by scene of how these things are working. Isaac was miraculous. It took the Spirit of God to bring forth the birth of Isaac. He said, Hagar is flesh. Ishmael is flesh. But as Jesus stood there on that day, he said, you're a teacher? You don't know these things? He said, flesh begets flesh, spirit begets spirit. As we go on through the, the layout, and I'll, I'll try to get as much of the information from our, our, our course as I possibly can on the I am. But they would, they would go through the, through the process of deliverance. Toward the end of their stay, as we look at realize, and realize that Abraham's children would live in bondage for how long? 400 years. Did you know that God told Abraham that before it all took place? He said they're going to be there 400 years. God knows the end from the beginning. He calculated it all out. 
You ever think that those 400 years and their, their track through the uh, wilderness is resembling what we're doing today? How long has man lived in bondage to sin? And God delivers man. But yet we're still in this wilderness experience. We haven't, we haven't made it to the promised land yet. You know what God wanted from them? Simply walk by faith. Is that right? Simply walk by faith. Trust him. Don't look at the sights around you. Don't live by sight. Live by faith. All of this so familiar to you and I today. What we're going through today. Was, was God able to deliver them into a land promised? Right? Was he able to give them a land that was flowing with milk and honey? Is he not able to take us from, from Claiborne County to New Jerusalem? Is he not able, if we walk by faith and not by sight and put our trust in him, and all he was warning was simply obedience and faith that they walk not by sight. The ten spies came back and said, there is no way we can take this land. We are grasshoppers in the eyes of these giants. Who made it in? Two out of the twelve? Caleb and Joshua? Why? Because they walked by faith. Every one of them died in the wilderness. Forty years of traveling through there, not being able to walk into the promised land. I'm talking to somebody this morning. We need to keep our faith. Because if you start walking by sight, you'll see the giants. You'll see all the trouble. You'll see all the distractions. You'll see all the disruptions of our life. You'll, you'll get off course. You'll begin to look at it, and he'll be bigger than your God. But if you'll walk by faith and say, my God's bigger than any problem I've got. My, God's, my God has got a promise for me on the other side. I know this old world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Right? So we lay up our treasures. As we look in here, we realize how all this is playing out. Can anybody help me out? Can you tell me why they began to pray for deliverance? Because they were pretty comfortable, right, in Egypt. Everything's pretty good in Egypt. There's plenty of food. There's plenty of, of, of land. There's plenty of everything pretty good in Egypt. Can, you, can anybody help me out? Why did they say, God, deliver us and begin to cry out? He said, I hear the cry of my people. You realize the heat was turned up? Because 400 years is nearing. Oh, I wish somebody could get a revelation of this this morning because we don't know the hour, we don't know the day. But he's given us these signs. He said the thief comes by night. But we're not children of the night. So as we look in here and we see these plays, these scenes play out nearing the end because God gave them 400 years. They didn't want deliverance. So the heat was turned up. And all of a sudden the whips became a part of their day. And they weren't building their own house, now they're building Pharaoh's house. Now they're being taxed, now they're being beaten, now they become slaves. And all of a sudden now we put the mandatory abortion system in that any male child is to be aborted. Any male child is to be killed. The heat's being turned up. Could it be, this is a question, you form your own opinion, before the rapture of the church that all the churches are going to be praying, God, come get us, because the heat being turned up a little bit. 
and the battles and the struggle and the, all the things that's coming against the church today. I'm not talking about the false church. I'm not talking about the harlot church. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ, the, the truth church. I'm talking about how that they're, they're trying to uh, push everything aside and now Christianity has become a stumbling block to the forward progress of a growing, evolving nation. A hindrance to the progress of darkness. The heat was turned up and they began to cry out, God, deliver us. The next scene we realize, let me catch you up. Let me me go back to Hebrews 11, verse 12 through 16. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Abraham was as good as dead. Yet from this man came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. All these people died having faith. They didn't receive the things that God had promised them, but they saw these things coming in the distant future and rejoiced. They acknowledged that they were living as strangers with no permanent home on earth. Those who say such things make it clear that they are looking for their own country. Could somebody in here this morning make that acknowledgement, this world is not my home. I'm not living my life that I'm going to be here forever. I'm not, I'm not preparing my mindset. I'm going to be here forever. This is just a staging point. The scene's going to change. And the next scene, I have to believe, is the rapture of the church. And the church is called up all from Genesis to our day, to the rapture of the church. All of this is played out through the word of God. God giving us typology of the Old Testament, giving us revelation of the New Testament. All of this was in the mindset of God as a lamb slain from the foundation. All of this playing out so that you and I can see what is coming our way. Those who say such things make it clear they are not looking for their own they are looking for their own country. Verse 15. If they had been thinking if they had been thinking about the country that they had left, they could have found a way back to go back. Instead, these men were longing for a better country, a heavenly country. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. We're talking about the Old Testament. But how clear is that in our day? Now that we've crossed the Malachi 400 years of silence and the birth of Jesus Christ and the new Jerusalem is pronounced and the rapture of the church is pronounced, we look and we realize, saint of God, we've got to be ready. Jesus Christ is coming back after his bride that has made herself ready. You and I have this great privilege of being a New Testament servant of God. You and I can look and see how that God instituted the tabernacle and told Moses in the wilderness, build a tabernacle and I will dwell. We see the ark representing the presence of God all the way to the redemption of the church. We understand the sacrifice and the washing and the candlesticks and we see the entrance into the holy of holies. We see the death. We see the veil ripped. Now we can all come boldly. Is this too much for you this morning? This is a revelation of Jesus Christ and and the redemption of the church, the bride of Christ making herself ready, not in our own righteousness, but 
through his righteousness, clothing us, making ourselves ready to become the tabernacle or the temple of the Holy Ghost. All of this, all of this is pointing toward the church. And being in bondage to sin, being delivered. Being in darkness, being set free, to the, called into the light. Moses tries to deliver the church, deliver the nation by self, right? He goes out and kills an Egyptian soldier. He now lives as a fugitive, exiled, tending sheep. He notices a bush burning. God's ready to deliver. 400 years is up. I hear the cry of my people. Bush is burning. Moses enters into the presence of God. God begins to set him and deliver him from all the things that is going on in his life at that moment, readying him to go in and deliver the people. Can we understand that this is under... This is pointing toward Jesus Christ stepping on earth and delivering the people from bondage of sin. We are the church. We are the nation. He grafted us in, the Gentiles. He, the apostle said, you are a peculiar people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. We're part of this plan. We're part of these, this play as it plays out scene by scene. It's our day. It's our day. It's our opportunity to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. So all of this is playing out. Moses tries to deliver the people. But we understand that we are not going to be delivered by flesh. See, we're back on that spirit thing again. We're back on that John 3 thing again. Because Moses goes in, he's, he's ready to deliver. But God said, without me, you can do nothing. So he's living as exiled. He's living as a fugitive. And when God readies it, he's going to show the power of his might. He hardens the heart of Pharaoh so that he can show and display his power. Anybody in here ever felt like you've been in bondage to anything? addicted to anything, things in your life that you simply could not get yourself free from? Anybody in here ever dealt with fear, ever dealt with things that you felt like, I cannot get myself free. I'm doing everything I know, but I cannot be delivered from this. This is God showing the children that's in bondage to Egypt. The most powerful man on earth was Pharaoh. And God's saying, I want to show you how I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to show you how I'm going to bring plagues. And at the end, he's going to institute the blood. It's all in there. It's all playing out to our day. There's got to be a lamb slain. There's got to be a blood plied. There's going to be a death angel coming. There's going to be a Passover. When, when the angel sees the blood, he's going to pass over. So he's saying to the angels, get this. They don't, have, they don't understand it yet. But those guys in Arthur... 2,000 years later, they're going to look at it and think, wow, that's the blood of the Lamb that's got to be applied to our life so that we don't experience death. All of this is about Jesus Christ, the sacrifice on Calvary. It wasn't about the man, it was about the Lamb. 
He said, get a lamb without spot, without blemish. They weren't going to get the lamb that night with the boils, with the sickness that was crippled, that wasn't the best. They're going to select because their life is on the line. They select the best lamb and apply the blood and the angel comes and he sees the blood and that's all he's looking for. He's not looking for a Lexus. He's not looking for a brick. He's not looking for a mansion. He's not looking at a bank account. He's not looking at a degree on the wall. He's not looking at anything but the blood. He's not looking at the race. He's not looking at the color. He's not looking at anything but the blood of the lamb. He's just simply wanting to know has the blood been applied and now it's going all the way to you and I so that we see this and we grasp this that I cannot Moses tried to do it on his own ability we will not get good enough to make heaven our home Moses' intent was excellent the New Testament said he chose to suffer with the children of God rather than be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. His intent was good. His intent was noble. I want to deliver them. I love them. I want to help them. I have power. I'm somebody. I've got a name. I'm educated. I can do all this. I can help them. Saint of God, we've got to be careful when we walk into a church that doesn't preach the blood of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. We've got to be careful when we walk into things that only the ability and the talents and all that is displayed. We've got to have a lamb. We've got to have the sacrifice. We've got to have the blood applied. We've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit we've got to walk in the word of God and understand how these things play out so we look we understand that Moses is delivering them and God said Moses it wasn't time 40 years ago because I've still got to part the Red Sea because the New Testament apostles are going to write about that. Because they're going to get it. They're going to get a revelation. That's the reason I was telling you Wednesday, we've got to pray for revelation. All these words are, are valuable. Everything in the Bible, every word is inspired by God. Every, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All this is important. Moses might have thought, my good night, is there not a better way than the Red Sea? What are we going to do now? The army of Pharaoh's behind us. The Red Sea's in front of us. What are we going to do now? We're trapped. And God said, you're still going to walk by faith. Because you're about to be delivered. And the New Testament's going to pick this up. And the New Testament's going to say they were all baptized unto Moses. Read it in your word. The walls of water are around them. The cloud that has water in it was over them. And they walked through on dry ground, covered by water. When they got to the other side, the water came back together when the Egyptian army came in. It washed them away again. Just as the typology of Noah, saved by water, he shows us a baptism. They were baptized unto Moses. And Peter said, now doeth baptism, save us. We understand all this typology. All these are playing out scene by scene. And they didn't understand, why do we have to go by the Red Sea? He said, 4,000 years later, 2,000 years later, they're going to get a revelation of the blood of the Lamb 
that's going to call them out of darkness to a marvelous light. They're going to get a revelation. They're going to know, hey, I've got to get baptized in the only saving name under heaven given among men whereby that we must be saved, that we can be baptized in the name of Jesus for the redemption of our, for the remission of our sins. All of this, all of this, all of this plays out scene by scene by scene by scene. So we realize this is one book, one story, one nation, one God, one final resting place where God takes his wife that has made herself ready. And you know what the beauty of it is? I don't know all the stuff that the... Jewish nation knew when Jesus stepped on the scene. I don't know all their heritage. I don't know how all their culture played out. But here's the beauty. God said one redneck boy from Bell County could be saved. He knocked on my heart. And he said, if you'll open up, I'll come in. One nut job. All right? Allowing me a sinner. Allowing me a kid from Bell County that never went to Sunday school and never knew all the Bible stories and didn't know all the things that was taught about Abraham and Moses and didn't know the songs and didn't know any of that. But when he got about 20 years old, God knocked on my heart and he said, you can be saved. You can have redemption. You can have salvation. You can become part of the scene, the play, the bride. You see, it's not about your yesterday. Can I, can I help somebody out? God doesn't care about your yesterday because he has a perfect plan for your life. He wrote to Jeremiah and he said, Jeremiah, you tell this backslidden nation I have a plan. And I know the plan. I know the thoughts I have for them. Because he understood as he spoke to Hosea and he said, go, go marry a prostitute. And he's thinking, why am I going to marry a prostitute? Because this prostitute's going to come in and she's going to bear children to you. But her heart's going to draw right back to her lovers again. And she's going to walk back out of your covenant relationship, that marriage that you have made. Even though you've been good to her, you love her, you provided for her, you protect her, you give her everything she needs, but she's going to stray and she's going to go back to her lovers. But Jose, I want you to go back and I want you to get her because this is what the nation of Israel has done to me. And Jesus stands there looking at Jerusalem and he's crying and he said how often would I have gathered you together you that have stoned my prophets I've tried to help you I've tried to love you I've tried to protect you I've tried to give to you but yet you would not you would not allow me to put my arms around you as a chicken would hurt little ones and protect them but yet today we stand here on Pentecost Sunday and realize my God has called me out of a darkness into a marvelous light to give me life with an abundance he's called me out of my yesterday of failure to a today of victory in him that my filthy rags of righteousness does not compare to his righteousness that he allows me to be robed with I have come to the conclusion if I make hell my home it's me it's not one person around me and it certainly is not God he paid the price robed himself in flesh that I might have life so my future is not about my yesterday 
My future is not about my environment of the day. My future is about my choice this morning to say, God, I'm on board. I want to be in the next scene. I don't want to be, I don't want to be Hosea's wife that prostitutes herself out to the world and, and, and is addicted to luxury and leisure. We met with a pastor in Hawaii as we began to team up with that church for them to go into the prison after we leave and disciple the ladies. One of the ministers asked the pastor there, he said, what is your, he said, in our area we've got this church and this church and this church and all these are the things that we deal with and have to, have to disciple people. He said, what is, what is the hindrance here for people being in church? And he said, leisure. That's what he's dealing with is leisure. They made it a God. But that's the word. That people will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I'm appealing to you. I'm pleading with you today. I'm, I'm asking in Jesus' name. Pray for revelation. I'm pleading with you today in the name of Jesus Christ that you begin to pray, God, give me revelation. Give me understanding of the word. I'm praying today that you ask God, help me grow. Ask yourself, where am I at based on a year ago or two years ago? Have I grown in my relationship with God? Am I closer to him? Do I know him better? Am I growing in my relationship with God? I'm pleading with you, pray for growth. And when you get your revelation and you begin to grow in your relationship with God, I want you to say, God, help me add value to everybody around me. I want to be someone that you can use for your kingdom to grow, that I might minister to others, that I might see them and their need and realize I'm taken care of by the mighty God. Let me minister to them. Let me bless them. Let me love them. Let me pray for them. Let me step into their life and be a part of their life to bless them and to love them. I never got as far along as I wanted to in this. I'll try to finish this up when God permits. The theme of our church this year is intentional. When you pray for revelation, you pray for growth, and you pray for the open door that you add value to the people around you, I want you to understand, live intentional. Don't live haphazard. The Apostle Paul, as he went on his mission of saving souls, he looked for every door that God would open to him. He steps into Athens. Superstition is top shelf. They had made monuments to every god they knew because they did not want to leave any god out. They wanted to worship every god. To the point, they said, no new God can be introduced. We have got so many gods, so many monuments, we're paying homage to all these, we cannot do anymore. No new God. So they made an inscription, they made a monument to the unknown God. And the Apostle Paul said, yes, yes. Because I'm about to introduce you to the 
the unknown God. And he preaches Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection. The death, the burial, the resurrection. And here's the revelation, Brother Mays, that he had. He said, I will plant, Silas will water. I'm not going to look at the, I'm not going to look at the outcome. Because that's where Jeremiah was. He looked at the scene around him and he said, I quit. I, I can't do it anymore. I can't deal with it anymore. I'm looking at the results of all my preaching. I'm not doing it anymore. Elijah said, I'm no better off than my forefathers. I quit. I'd like to die today, God. Just let me die today. I'm looking at all the results. But the Apostle Paul steps into a new realm, and he said, I'm going to, water, I'm going to plant, and Silas is going to water. And God will give the increase. I'm asking somebody this morning, be faithful to what God has called you to do. And don't be caught up in what you see. Because the results are in the hands of God. My ministry and your ministry is about your faithfulness. Moreover, it is required in stewards to be found faithful. All he wanted out of Abraham, Abraham's going through the journey. I don't have a child, I don't have a child, I don't have a child. And he's saying, I just want you to be faithful. I want you to have faith. And, and Abraham gets to a place, he said, am I going to leave everything you have blessed me with? And he was abundantly blessed. Am I leaving everything to Eliezer, my servant? Is this who's going to inherit my fortune? And God said, it's all about faithfulness. It's all about faithfulness, Abraham. And Abraham steps into that realm. And God said, now, the day is the day. It's time. I'll give you a child. All of this, all of this is for you and I to understand how that this plays out, that God is, God is requiring these of us. So we got one book, one story, one nation, one God, one final resting place where God takes his wife that has made herself ready. Stand with me this morning. Pharisees hated Jesus to the point they wanted to kill him, to the point they did kill him, where the Jewish nation killed him. So the great discussion that we started with, what the Pharisees wanted to know is who's your father? because they were declaring Abraham as their father. So it's, the debate was, who's the Pharisee's father and who's father of Jesus? And they got into the discussion of Abraham. And God talked to him, Jesus talked to him about life and death. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. And they reach right back to Moses. 
And Moses said, Who shall I tell the people sent me? And he said, You tell them, I am that I am has sent you. You tell them, I am sent you to deliver them. And Jesus steps into that realm and he said, I am. And they picked up stones because they knew what he was saying. Today, have we got enough Bible knowledge to know that God wants to redeem us? Nicodemus came to him and said, oh, you're a great teacher from God. And Jesus just simply cut to the chase. And he said, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. So I'm telling everybody in this sanctuary, anyone that's listening, watching, that's a mandate, non-negotiable. It's not a pastoral thing. It's not a denomination thing. It's a mandate. we got to be born again of water and of the Spirit. He said you cannot see in, you cannot get in. But here's the beauty of all of it. God's not expecting us to do anything in our flesh. Not having to jump through hoops, not having to pass a test, not having to do anything on our part other than simply obey the Scripture. So the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A lot of people tie Pentecost to Pentecostals. And I understand what they're saying is you all believe in talking in tongues, right? Because they talked in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance on the day of Pentecost. I understand where they're coming from. Pentecost is not a denomination. In fact, I don't believe when I get to heaven, he's going to have it sectioned off. Oh, that's a cathedral. That must be... It's not happening. He's simply looking for his wife that's made herself ready, that has robed herself in his righteousness. They were staggering, probably. Something confused the people that were onlookers to the point they thought they were drunk. And Peter said, we're not drunk. And he goes right back to the death, the burial, the resurrection. That is the message. That is the salvation message for the New Testament church. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, if he did not rise, we're all without hope. But we've got evidence by faith. As the world was created, we got evidence by faith he rose. That message should prick every heart, convict every heart that Jesus Christ loves me enough as a sinner that he give his life for me. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. You see, when you carry that conversation on from Nicodemus, you must be born again, he gets it all the way to where it's all about Jesus. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what's he requiring of me to believe? I've got to believe on him, and believing on him takes me to obedience and carries me right into an altar of repentance. And when the Apostle Peter preached that day on Pentecost Sunday, May not have been Pentecost Sunday, but it was Pentecost Day. 
They said, hey, 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 wait a minute. You loaded us down with all this guilt. We're convicted of the death of Jesus Christ. Verse 37, they asked, what must we do? And he said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Can we see that all the way back to Noah? Can we see that with Moses? Can we see that with Abraham, where he tried to build a nation out of the flesh, and God said, flesh begets flesh. Spirit begets spirit. He moved. As a miraculous conception with Mary, he used Abraham, but there was still that move of the Spirit to bring forth a nation. And Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know what? It took me about 45 minutes to break through of my flesh in 1985 and had I not had faithful ladies praying with me on that Tuesday night I'd have probably quit I'm asking the church this morning the adult class don't let people quit up here at the altar don't let them pray by themselves. are we in this are we in this to the end are we in this to win are we in this to take somebody with us? Let me ask you this morning, how many people are you working on right now to get into church? We had a wedding here. Different churches represented yesterday. Arthur came in toward the end, pulled a note out. Somebody invited him to their church with the address on it. I thought, hmm. Our people know him. They would invite him. He's already here. But to go into some other church and invite somebody to your church? That, I'm not getting on that. Let's go forward with this. Uh, invite. 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 Spread the good news. I want us to pray this morning. I want us to ask God to help us have a revelation of this. Because this isn't about... Just a book knowledge. This is about a revelation from God. Jesus said, who, who do you think I am? Talking to the apostles. And Peter said, you're the Christ. And he said, you didn't get that from flesh. That's a revelation from heaven. So this morning, let's pray, God, give me a revelation from heaven. Let me, let me commit myself. Let me dedicate myself. Let me surrender myself to your calling and your anointing. God, give me revelation from Genesis to Revelation. God, give me revelation. Give me truths. Give me understanding. Let me grow today. Let me grow in your, my relationship with you. And God, when I grow, as you told Peter, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. God, let me strengthen my brothers. When I'm converted, God, when I grow in my relationship with you, let me add value to other people. In Jesus' name.